The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Pastor Joe Sutton from the Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis and our radio ministry, Isaiah 61. Uh, great day today at the State Fair. Last Saturday, I went home soaking wet. It was raining. And now I see everybody's out here. The crowds are twice as long. Lines are longer. And uh, everybody's coming out here for this uh, Labor Day weekend, celebrating those who broke ground in the labor industry for us and allowing us to work them 40 hours a week for the rest of our lives. And, uh, but today we're just going to continue our conversation. Uh, we were talking last week about uh, sharing, sharing the gospel, sharing about your relationship with Jesus Christ, and sometimes how you feel prompted to share with someone and, and you second-guess yourself or you look at their outward appearance and say they're all right, and then uh, next thing you know, something tragic happens in their life and, and they're longer with you. Uh, this week, a friend of, of, uh, of mine in ministry didn't really know him that well. Uh, I would preach sometimes at the halfway house and, and uh but he you know he had he had a serious drug addiction that he was fighting and uh he had gotten victory over it and uh as we all do in some things we may relapse a little bit but he came back and uh and was just he was clean and he was sober and he was doing well and he was sitting in his car and uh somebody came up and uh and shot him you know just shot him killed him murdered gone uh, no longer to be with his family, no longer to be around anywhere else. And, uh, and I was just talking to him. We were talking at a Bible study. After Bible study, we were just talking about the challenges of, uh, of maintaining your sobriety, the challenges of uh, still walking in your faith, you know, and being obedient to the Word of God, but yet functioning in this society. And, uh, and, and I would give him credit for it. It, it was as he was making great leaps and bounds. Little did any of us know that in two months he would no longer be with us and you know you know it's no man knows the day or the hour we've always been taught and sometimes we have a tendency to live as if there's no tomorrow we'll procrastinate we'll put things off we'll, we'll do things like that and, and I know uh, prior to seven years ago that was true in my life you know I would embark upon projects reschedule meetings uh, you know, not stay in contact with people. And then when my kidney shut down and I came face to face with uh, not living, right? When you get certain kind of illnesses or diseases that hit you and you got to go through uh, our medical system and, uh, and people don't expect you to live. Uh, but if you do live, you got to live with this thing for the rest of your life. You got to live with this, this problem the rest of your life. It wakes you up. It lets you know how short life is, you know, and how you can't procrastinate, that you need to spend time with your family, you need to love on your wife, uh, and you need to get the job done, and you need to be about your father's business to get things done. For me, it shocked me. 
into into being about my father's business and uh, not just putting things off or taking certain things for granted. And uh, and it even meant the people in my life, some people that I've been been uh, that I have been assigned to, uh, to witness to, to care for, to love on, right? And sometimes you just kind of put things off, and um, and and you don't know, you you don't know, you know. What I mean, I always tease and tell people I'm living on borrowed time because if they had not created a machine to cleanse my blood called dialysis, that uh, I would have been gone seven years ago. So every day I wake up, I realize it's a gift. Even though every day I woke up before that was a gift, I just never looked at it that way because I had things to do and I had people to see and places to go. And, and that's how I treated life. And we had to treat life in a different manner. Even at the state fair, when you walk around having fun, enjoying, creating memories with your family, creating memories with someone that you love. You know what I mean? Right now, whatever you're doing at home, I mean, it could be even popping some popcorn, watching the movie, playing in the backyard, uh, standing at a football game because it is that time of year standing on a football game, watching the stands, you know, and you may not think you're accomplishing much, but that person whom you're there to watch or you're spending time with, you know what I mean, it, that's, a, that's a memory for them. That's, that's chosen for them. And, and when you go on and you pass, like I was at the vigil last night for this man, uh, and they're still looking for his murderer. Uh, uh, you know, his name is Bob. He probably read in the paper, saw the news. He got shot Tuesday morning. But even at the vigil, just to hear his family speak, his children speak, his friends speak about how much uh, they missed him, about how much they they uh, they care for him, um, the positive things about his life. Yeah, everybody knew the negative things, his struggle with drugs, but the positive things about his life, things that people are going to miss, things that are there, um, you know, those words were a comfort to us who were still here. But, you know, sometimes you got to have that peace in your soul to know that you did what you could do and, and I, I thank the people at the Ministry of Freedom Works, giving them a shout-out, who were there, you know what I mean, who were there. And I thank the people who support Freedom Works financially and the volunteers to allow that program to function, to be there, to help guys like that find their way in life, find their sobriety, be restored to their families, uh, and, and, and take one more negative influence off of these streets. You know, maybe in your neighborhood you don't have to deal with that reality, but uh, in my neighborhood, I do. And as a pastor, I do. And I have to see people and, and watch them, uh, watch all that potential get ate up uh, through addiction and other things like that and it's, it's, or bad decisions. Even the bad decisions of a young person. You know, you want to be with the hangout crew when you're young and, and you get with the hangout crew. And all right, then the hangout crew, like 10, 10 years later, you know, you have no diploma, no job. And because uh, you picked up a felony alone, the way you can't even find housing to take care of anybody. It's a rough road out there, rough road out there. But I'm always find comfort. I find comfort in the Bible. My favorite verse, Proverbs 24, and our verse 10 says, if you faint in your day of adversity, then your strength is small. So adversity comes in to let you know how strong you are. Adversity comes in as a test to you. God already knows where you are. He knows what you can take, knows what you can handle. He wants you to understand that so that you can go in there. And so when you weather that adversity, whatever it may be, whatever you think you're going through, whatever is there, then your strength is revealed to you. And you know, that you know what you need to do. Either get stronger or get busy in, in what you're doing. Uh, I'll share a little story with you. you know, I was uh, 
sitting around one day just at my house slumming. No pastor mentality at all, right? I'm just playing with the kids, teaching them how to kick soccer balls in the backyard. And I was starting to prepare dinner, and uh, one of my parishioners showed up at the door with bleeding wrist. And they had tried to commit suicide, and, it, and, it, and, and they got scared, <laughs> and they didn't do it. And they came over to the house there, and I'm about as spiritual as the television set, man. I mean, it was just an off day, lazy day, not thinking about anything or anything or to deal with such a heavy matter as that. And then my wife came in the door, <laughs> the back door, like two seconds later. And I said, honey, since you're a female, you should minister to this lady. And I just, I ran out the door. <laughs> I left my wife there not knowing the circumstances, not knowing anything. I, I, I bolted out the door, right? Because I just wasn't there. My mind wasn't there. And, you know, and, uh, and you know, and since then I've come to realize and, and to cherish the fact uh, to be instant in season and always be ready. You know what I mean? Because you, you never know when people are hurting. And people are always hurting. You just never know when they're going to finally invite you in, into their hurt, into their hurting world. And um, but that day I was like, oh my goodness, that's just too heavy for me. I, 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 I boated. You know, what I mean, I boated out of there. You know, didn't feel good about it afterwards. You know, I, I did come back home, and uh, I did join the counseling session. But it was just one of the issues that I, I, I ended up. I just boated because I, I was not, I was not ready to face such a heavy matter. Uh, that that matter of, uh, of of suicide, you know what I mean. She's okay. She's doing well in college, uh, enjoying life, taking care of family. Uh, so it was not as tragic as it could have been. But you know, thank goodness for intervention and for sharing, and the peace of God that comes and envelops people. Uh, so, as 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 always, you know, we present a situation, but then we want to come back and give you practical ways to deal with the situation. The greatest way that you can tell your, your story about your relationship with your Savior is by the way you live your life. Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. When you're around people and you're fellowshipping with people, but yet you still keep the commandments of God, you still uh, preserve in an orderly manner, you're still there, people notice that, and they notice that about you, and, 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 you're, and, you're, and they wonder why. In this day and age where, you know, I'm old enough to go to the club, I'm old enough to smoke, I'm old enough to drink, I'm old enough to do a lot of things, but I choose not to do those things. You know, I choose not to do those things because completing my mission and being clear with my relationship with Christ are more important to me than to sit around and, uh, and, and, and quote, unquote, enjoy things for myself. Uh, you know, I, my, my home is always open. You know, whether I'm discipling somebody or people need a home, uh, I've taken in numerous people. <laughs> I've taken in numerous children. Uh, you know, and not because I want to get away from my own personal world, but as a way to be that witness and live my life according to there. So how you live your life is very important because it displays what your relationship with God is like. Just like how you live your life is important on how it depends on how your marriage is. If every time some girl walks past and your head is on a swivel, going up and down, you know what I mean, when you're out and about being disrespectful and rude to women, and everything like that, you know, people wonder about how you treat your wife. How's your marriage relationship? How's your relationship there? You know what I mean? If, if you know, if you're always snapping at your children, uh, you know, never encouraging them, never putting them out there, then uh, people are going to assume that your relationship with your family is not that well. 
So how we live and how we do demonstrates how well we are. You know, my first encouragement to the members of my congregation is this. Live your life. Live your life. Integrity is the number one answer. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you do it. I mean, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you're doing it. You know, so you got to come out there and live your life in such a way to where they understand, you know, that, that who you are. And there must be a higher power in your life allowing you to live this way. You know what I mean? Because it's hard with temptation. But then the second thing, you know, it has to be somebody in there that you love dearly that you act in such a respectful and bountiful way. That's how we want to be viewed and how we live our life. The second way that we show our relationship is how we serve. How do we serve people? You know, what do, what do we do? Are we out there serving folks? Are we, are we being a blessing to somebody? Uh, you know, do, do, we, do we always have to get paid for what we do? You know, do we always have to have something? You know, I mean, are we willing to just uh, go out there and help our fellow man and be a servant? You know, we're not looking for reward. Matter of fact, we're givers. You know, if we're the first ones to give, the first ones to open up and share. You know what I mean, that, that speaks volumes to people is whether they can trust you or not or whether, you know, what kind of relationship and, and, and things you have and whether they want to be a part of your life. You know what I mean, because, you know, if, you, if, if someone uh, comes in and comes into the kingdom, they're now my brother and sister. You know what I mean? But if you look around and you don't like none of the brothers and sisters and you got a choice whether you want to be in that family, see, I didn't have a choice whether I want to be in my family. I just had to take what came. I said, but if I have a choice, you know, I'm not going to join in a family and get with a family that's going to cause me stress. It's going to cause me heartache. So how, how, how we serve, you know, how we treat our, our fellow man, our viewpoint, our, everything like that, is a, great, is a great, great witness and an indicator. But then the most important thing, that no matter how we live or how we serve, serve is actually being able to articulate what a relationship with a spiritual being is like. You know, how, how, how do you have this relationship with Jesus when you don't see him, you don't touch him, you know, but yet you're supposed to have this deep, intimate relationship. Matter of fact, you're supposed to be his bride, you know, and, and so we have to be competent in our explanation and be able to explain, you know, what that relationship looks like, which requires us in turn to spend a lot of time in the Word, spend a lot of time praying, and make sure that we're well-versed and can explain this relationship to people so they can grow over there. And then finally, most importantly to me, is our prayer life. Yeah, I mean, no man cometh into the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So are we praying for people? Who are we praying for? Who are we praying for so that when God moves and the Holy Spirit moves upon their heart, we're moving all the obstacles out of the way for them to make that commitment to, to, to walk in the power of the gospel, right? So praying for people, you know, getting three or four people that you believe in, you know, God to touch and, and to save and, and not just to bombard them with tracks and, and long conversations, but to pray for them so that, that, that they will be drawn. The Holy Spirit can draw them, which makes your job so much easier. We're coming up on our break time here. We're going to take a break. We're out here at the great Minnesota get-together and watching everybody flood in and flood down the street and watching these lines go out to the middle of the street as people come out here and get they, they snack on. I'm out here with my two sons. They went and wandered off somewhere. Give a shout-out to Ed Snowden today. You know, thanks, Ed. No, you couldn't make it out here, but that's okay. And if Ron McConaughey can hear my voice, I'm still waiting on you, brother. All right.
AM 980 The Mission is at the great Minnesota get-together. So click on our mobile app, pop in an earbud, and enhance your state fair experience. We'll bring you encouragement while you make your way there, strong biblical teaching as you fly above the fair on the sky ride, and live broadcast to go with that Prano Pup. Find our free mobile app in your device's app store. Plus great prizes, mission merchandise, and more at the corner of Underwood and Murphy. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Good head bopping music. Hey, it's Pastor Joe Sutton. I'm back. Second with the second part of our, our broadcast as we out here on this beautiful weekend. You know, this morning when I woke up, cloudy and gray, had a jacket on. I said I had to shed that jacket to get ready for this one, boy. And the people just don't stop coming. Man, just waves and waves of hope. You know, I was just talking about missed opportunities the last two weeks and and in sharing your faith and, and, and being a light uh, to people, the individuals that you come in contact with. And our whole sole purpose is to help bring God's children home. God loves all of his children. That is the truest statement that you could ever make. But he leaves it upon us, his children, his obedient ones, to go back out there and win the other. And, uh, and sometimes we get sidetracked by the things of life, and we forget about those things. We forget about those things. We forget about what's really important. And sometimes we even think that that's why we pay ministers for. We hire ministers to, uh, to go out and, and do work. But Ephesians tells us that ministers train people to go out and do the work of the ministry. People do the work of the ministry, not the not the paid minister. You're not looking to pay a youth pastor or evangelism pastor or anything like that to pay somebody to come out there and and, and get her done. You know what I mean? But but that's our job. That's what that's what we do in the midst of the storm. You know, I pray that you never have a situation as to where uh, someone uh, passes away uh, before you get a chance to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, I, you know, as we me and Pastor Solomon shared last week, you know, we've both been in instances like that where you just, you know, God has prompted your heart to share something with someone, and then you put it off because you look at them on the outside and say, well, they look pretty good, they look, they look pretty solid, they're a good person. And then you kind of find out, you know, when you come back to work or you come back to the Bible, say so you find out they passed away. That's a heavy feeling. And I, I pray that you never have to experience that. I pray that, that as God prompts you and, and, and leads you, that you would be able to go out and, uh, and share and, 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 and respond with the love of God. And you won't have that on your soul. You know, I think about uh, my classmates from high school, college, uh, I think about them and, and, you know, just the opportunity I have. But when I see them, I'm so happy and I hug them, you know, but most importantly, I pray for them. I pray for all of them. You know what I mean? I pray for my career. I pray for people I come in contact with. Uh, my prayer list is so long, it takes me two hours to go through it. You know what I mean? Because that's the most important thing you can do is pray for people. Live your life 
right? Serve, tell it, and pray. But I didn't say pray because it's least important. I said prayer because it's very important. Yeah, I mean, praying for people and not just uh, petitioning God, but I'm just saying, but praying for the things that we know are hindering them. You know, I, I think about even my children, you know, and I pray for those things that can hinder them. You know, and sometimes you get lost in the fact, oh, they're working, they're doing well, they're raising their family. But, you know, they're still not doing what God has called them to do, though they're fulfilling all the earthly requirements that they might be. But, you know, I've learned that I have to pray for them. I can't make them do it. I can't command them because they're grown. I have to I have to really pray and I have to believe that my prayers are going to be answered that they come through. And I would pray. You know, some people say pray, you know, you come to God with adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then uh, supplication, meaning then you bring your petition, that which you've asked God for, last, and you make sure that everything else is okay first. Uh, but in loving God and being there with God, prayer is just a conversation with God. And over the years, I find myself praying in a car. I find myself praying, daydreaming at the couch. You know, I was sitting up there watching TV with my sons, and, and I was sitting there praying while watching TV. Sometimes even doing worship, I just sit down and start praying. You know what I mean? I just start praying. The Lord prompts me to pray for somebody or to pray for the congregation. You know what I mean? And it, it becomes the easy thing. I remember when it was hard. It was really hard. You know what I mean? I would sit down to go and pray, and everything would flash across my mind. Every kind of, every, every task I've forgotten, every person I need to return a phone call to, uh, every bill I didn't pay, you know what I mean? If I ever want to remember something, I just sit down to pray and it will come back because, you know, anything that distracts you from that moment, now I'm beyond that. I can enter into prayer pretty easy. I know how to block, block things out. But my prayer is never toward me. You know what I mean? Never toward me. Matter of fact, I prayed for myself the other day and I said, man, it's been a long time since I prayed for me. And I, but my prayer is always directed toward others, you know, people that I know that are out there hurting and, I, and people that are there. And, I, and so... As we uh, look upon this time, this time of transition in our, in our calendar, you know, coming to the end of summer, going into fall, getting ready for our cold winter. I don't know about you, but that's when everybody comes back to church at my church. You know, they didn't party all summer long. They didn't ski. They didn't fish. They didn't camp. They didn't cabin. And then they stay, they come wandering back in, you know, saying, pray for me. <laughs> I, and pray for me, and, I, and you know, and you know, not holding nothing barred. I just get used to it because it's that transition in time. I guess they don't, they don't want to go into the winter lonely. And uh, but you, know, you keep praying, you keep praying, and you keep believing, and you keep going. Especially our church right now, uh, we're in a time of transition. Uh, you know, we're 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 almost like a restart. You know, we're, we're, leadership is changing, things are are, are growing. You know, we've gone through the tension. You know, we put away some old things. We realized we got to make some things new. And uh, and the young people are really are really putting are really putting us in some things that I think are going to sustain us for the generation to come. But they they know in their mind that they can't make church just for them. We have to stay multi generational. Uh, you know, that, and I know a lot of people emphasize multicultural or multi ethnic. You know, I mean, we emphasize multi-generation. You know, we want the young and the old and the old old to be able to worship together, 
be able to serve together and have an understanding of each other. And, uh, and so that, that, that's just a powerful thing that we like to do. As I, as I come to a close, you know, I just want to pray. I want to pray uh, for everyone. Pray for boldness in the believers. And also pray for the receptivity, for the drawing of the Holy Spirit for those who don't know. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you. Lord God, we thank you for giving us boldness. We thank you for giving us this assignment, Lord God, to reach our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray that your Holy Spirit continue to work on those who have strayed from you and are not obeying you right now. May it draw them into their loving relationship with you. And we who know be willing to disciple with love and kindness. In the mighty name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. Enjoy your day. Enjoy to stay fair. Uh, I'm going to chill out. Goodbye.